We thank you for taking the time to join us today in Owen Park. To begin, we encourage you to enter from the Summit Avenue side, either from underneath on the Chippewa River Trail or up top by First Avenue. We'll start the walk by the tennis courts and slowly make our way down from there. It's a relatively small area, but between the flowing river, abundance of trees, info plaques along the trail, and view of downtown across the water, we welcome you to stop and take in the sights and sounds as you listen. Let's begin with a brief history of the park and its benefactor. The first European expeditions to the area that would become known as Chippewa Valley and Eau Claire were by the English and French fur traders in the late 18th century. The area was permanently settled in 1845, and a few years later, it was the humble start of what would become a bustling lumber town. The lumber industry in Wisconsin saw a massive surge in production in the post-Civil War era, with more than 75 sawmills and factories in the young city of Eau Claire contributing to the growing manufacturing sector of the Upper Midwest, earning Eau Claire the nickname Sawdust City. Many profitable lumber companies and lumber barons would rise to success here. One such lumber baron who would go on to receive significant prominence in the area was John S. Owen, born in 1849 in Clarkston, Michigan. He worked for his father, John G. Owen, in his own wholesale grocery and lumber business before marrying Cora M. Rust in 1873. The Rusts were a family of enterprising lumberers, so John Owen took advantage of his connections and moved with his wife to Eau Claire the same year they married. He started multiple lumbering operations, including the Westville Lumber Co. and West Eau Claire Lumber Co., even working under Henry Putnam, before joining together with Alan E. J. Rust and Ralph E. Rust to form the Rust Owen Lumber Company, a mainstay in the area until circa 1940. Finally, he organized the John S. Owen Lumber Company, which he operated as president until his death. He was a great benefactor to the city of Eau Claire. He was a known baseball fan and sponsored various baseball clubs in the region, including the Wisconsin-Illinois and the Wisconsin-Minnesota League, as well as the minor league team Eau Claire Bears. Perhaps most notably, in 1913-14, he donated a large amount of land for gas storage based out of First Avenue along the Chippewa River to the city for use as a public park, which ended up dedicated to him, Owen Park. Owen Park remains a popular gathering place, with people from near the university, downtown, and all over visiting to admire the scenic views of the Chippewa River, walk along the trails, and attend performances at the Sarge Boyd Bandshell. It stands the test of time, as a testament to the city's dedication to parks and public services. As you take your walk around the park in the area, take a look around and, for our next section, park yourself under one of the great big trees in the park. Have a seat, bask in the shade, listen for the birds, and maybe take a look up and see what there is to see. What's making all that 
Hey, whoa, what are you doing up there? Um, I, uh... Was that... Was that supposed to be a bird call? Dude, no offense, you're really obviously, like, not a bird. Oh nuts. I really thought I was killing it up here. Wait, wait, wait. Jared? Is that you up there? I, uh... No. Jared, bro, I can, like, fully see you. It's not a big tree. What are you doing up there? And what are you... Are you wearing some sort of costume? I can explain. Well? Not gonna lie, I was really hoping you'd cut me off there so I wouldn't need to. Well, I mean, you don't have to explain if you don't want to? No, I... Okay, well, I've been spending a lot of time in the Bird Museum on campus, right? Ew, that place creeps me out. What do you mean? Dude, there's like hundreds of dead birds in there with horrible, unblinking eyes that see into your soul. God, even talking about them makes me want to jump out of my skin. Really? Oh, I love it in there. I can almost hear the bird song when I sit by that big loon they have in there. It's beautiful. It makes me feel a little less... alone, sometimes. Sitting in a room full of dead birds makes you feel less lonely? Hey, I don't judge you for your hobbies! Yeah, sure. Okay. What? Oh, do you want me to bring up your hobbies right now? I'm sure everybody in the park would love to hear them. Hey everyone! Tanner Johnson of Eau Claire, Wisconsin likes to- Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not judging, I promise. Good. So what does the bird museum have to do with you sitting in a tree in the middle of Owen Park in a- Oh my god, is that a bird costume? It? Yeah, it is. <laughs> if you're just gonna laugh at me, I swear I'll- <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at you. <laughs> I was just- <clears throat> Just curious. Well? You promise you're not gonna laugh? Cross my heart. <laughs> Alright. Fine. Being at the bird museum gave me a craving for more. I needed to see them in their natural habitats. Uh-huh. I see. <laughs> and the bird costume? I couldn't just wear my street clothes, are you nuts? The birds would be onto me right away. I hate to say it, but I think the birds might be onto you anyway. What makes you say that? <laughs> well, you're a little, uh... You're a little big for a bird. Was that supposed to be a fat joke? No, of course not. I'm just saying birds are like, small. I'm no expert, but I think they'll notice you're not the size of uh... Well, the size of a... A chickadee? Wren? Cardinal? All of the above. I see your point. Oh man, I... I really just wanted to see these birds up close. To be honest, I... Didn't really think about the logistics. Now I just feel stupid sitting up here in this costume. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> I think the bird costume was a nice touch. You really think so? I really do! <laughs> well, I mean, I think it'd be nicer if I could at least see some birds while I'm up here. Are there any specific ones you're looking for? I mean, at first I had my hopes up I'd see like a woodpecker or something since they're out this time of year. Bro, how do you know what time of year they're Irrelevant! Out? But... Now I just haven't seen anything! Not a single bird has landed in this tree since I climbed up here. When was that? Around 7 a.m. 7 a.m?! Dude, it's like noon! Oh, I'm well aware! Well, why haven't you come down? Aren't you hungry? Starved, but I can't leave now. Oh my god, do you hear that? That's the sound of the black-capped chickadee. Those little bastards have been taunting me all day! I can't just give up now and let them win! Well, have you uh, tried some... 
Bird calls? I wasn't born yesterday, Tanner. Of course I tried bird calling. I've tried blue jays, chickadees, robins, cardinals. I even tried a chicken call. But not a single one of them has come my way. Hmm. Do you have any food? <gasps> oh. My. God. What? What is it? I've had a granola bar in my pocket this whole time! Oh, that's perfect! Birds love granola. No, you don't understand. I ate a worm earlier because I was so hungry. I've had a freaking granola bar in my pocket this whole time! Oh. Oh my god. I know! What did it taste like? The granola bar? Dude, I don't know. I haven't eaten it yet. It's just a fruit and nut one, though, so it probably tastes like- No, not the granola bar! The worm! Oh. Not as bad as I expected. It actually kind of made me feel more bird-like. Huh. Anyways. Come here, you little bastards! Caw! Caw! Maybe, maybe don't wave it around in the air like that. Caw! Caw! Ooh-doo! Chick-a-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee! What kind of bird call is that anyway? I don't know, and I don't care. I've been here for five hours. I'll take what I can get. Caw! Caw! Oh my god. Massive crow. Oh my god. Tanner? Tanner? Help! Jared, I, I don't know how to- what, Tanner! Jared, holy crap. Jared, are you okay? Do you- Do you see those birds? No, I- What birds? The ones right here. Just above my head. So... Pretty. Jared, buddy, I'd, what are you talking about? I, I think you're hallucinating. I'm in heaven. You really picked one hell of a tree to look up into. Sheesh. Maybe you should find another one. Or, better yet, find two trees. Maybe some that are a little closer together. In fact, if you happen to have a hammock with you, you may want to take it out now because we've got a wonderful guided hammocking experience that'll teach you how to hammock like a pro. If you don't have a hammock, feel free to use your imagination as we take you on a journey through rest and relaxation.
The word hamak is derived from the word hamaka used by the Taino tribe of the Bahamas, meaning fishnet. We are all just little fishies relaxing in the net womb, are we not? This tribe, along with the Mayans, used suspended bark or fiber beds so that they would not be in contact with the dirty ground, along with offering protection from the little land devils that roamed throughout the night, snakes and other unsightly creatures. The colonizer Columbus, during his destructive conquests, observed the use of hemocks, and like the fucking monster we all know him to be, brought it to Europe as his discovery. Since then, the hammock has been used as a comfortable bed for sailors away at sea, and now used to cradle and rock the little college bebes to sleep. One of these bebes has joined us today to learn how to set up his hammock. Connor? Huh? Oh, hey, what's up? Connor is hoping to use this sunny afternoon to doze in the sun like a cat while doing homework. For sure. Homework. He has brought a lovely nylon hammock that came already with the tree straps included. I tell most people I bought it from small businesses, but I actually bought it from Amazon. Gotta keep up appearances, you know? Excellent. Well, let's examine your donation to the worker-abusing monopoly the spawn of Satan Jeff Bezos runs. What? Maintain composure, composure. <clears throat> Connor has purchased a dark gray nylon hammock. These are particularly durable. Nylon is used for hammock camping, typically due to the fact that nylon hammocks are lightweight and easy to pack, while drying quickly and being resistant to mold and mildew. Well, hammocks can mold? Gross. Oh dear. Though your disgust at an outdoor hammock accruing moisture is comforting, I'm sure your student housing isn't all that tidy either. Fair. The hardest part of our escapade is to set up your little cocoon. There are many ways you can put it up. Using a hammock stand or trees are the most typical way hammocks are set up. This bag looks too small to hold me. <clears throat> we'll use trees this time as nature offers us opportunities in gracious ways. Now, Connor, it's time to take out your hammock. I open it? Okay, sick. Whoa, there's like stuff in here. Your average hammock will most likely come with your hammock, the large piece of fabric gathered on both ends, the tree straps to hold your hammock to the tree, and your two carabiners to connect your hammock to the tree straps. These small metal things are supposed to hold my weight? They're quite strong, Connor. Most hammocks can carry at least 250 pounds, and those metal things are called carabiners. Okay, whatever you say, lady. Please pick up the tree straps. The small straps, Connor. <laughs> this? No, that's the hammock. They're in the bag labeled hammock straps. Oh, <laughs> got it. Let's start with the first tree. Ideally, your hammock should be spaced between two trees at least 14 feet apart. How tall do you think I am? The hammock has to be longer than you in order for you to fit comfortably inside and allow you slack to swing. I'm... swinging? Now I'm sure you're not listening. Okay, Connor, we're going to put this first tree strap on the tree. Where's the nails? I'm sorry. The nails? So I can stick the strap to the tree? No! No. The tree straps are used specifically so you don't hurt the tree. I knew trees had feelings. 
My biology professor tried to tell me otherwise, but I knew. It's time to wrap the tree strap around the tree. It's loose. Shouldn't it be tight? No, it's loose so it can use tension to hold you up. Sick. So we're done now, right? Do... Do you genuinely believe we're done? You just said I only needed to do one. I said the first. The first tree strap. Oh. Okay. You also allowed the tree strap to fall, so we have to rewrap the tree again and connect the two sides using a carabine. The metal thing? The metal thing. Sick! I did it! No! To both. What? You have to connect both of them, otherwise your hammock won't have anything to attach to. But we just put them together! Just... just do it. Fine. Let's connect one side of the hammock to the carabiner now. I open it and put it with the rest of the fabric? Through the hole in the hammock, yes. Hammocks have strong loops on each side to allow the carabiner an easy place to go through. Nice. Cool. Great job, little bebe. You're halfway done. What? That took so long, though! Think positively, Connor. You're almost completed. Almost completed. Excellent. Completed. You've learned well. It is so difficult to treat these loops. I just don't even know what I'm supposed to do anymore. What? You've done it! Your hammock is now attached to the tree. Alright, so I can lay down now, right? I'm tired. Nearly. The final step is to adjust the height of the hammock. Why? Isn't it fine now? Not only do you want it the same distance up each of the trees, you typically want your lowest hammock hung at least four to five feet up. Connor's hammock is currently at the base of each of the trees, but one side is one foot up. If he was to lay in it now, it would be a glorified blanket protecting him from the earth. Okay. So I just slide it up the tree one at a time? That is exactly what to do. Connor, and you, if you followed along with your own hammock, have now successfully put together your first hammock. Wonderful job, bebes. Allow the sunlight of the spring lull yourself into a relaxing experience here at the park. Ouch! I hope I have taught you well, small fishies. Open it! Open it! What?! Open the hammock! You have to open the fabric to get inside! Open it! A hammock can do wonders for a person's anxiety, productivity, even energy. Whoops. Unfortunately, it can't cure stupidity. Come on! Thank you for joining us today. I hope sincerely you've had a relaxing time learning how to set up your own hammock. How? Namaste. Take your time to relax with your hammock, or just lie on your back looking up at the trees. There is something so calming about watching the leaves sway with the slight breeze. Feel free to pause this podcast and enjoy the sounds of the park, but once you're ready, 
Pack up your things and make your way towards the large band shell Owen Park has to offer. It's common to find an outdoor stage in a park, but the reason our band shell exists might be of interest to you. I haven't written a decent thing in months. This sucks. Relax, dude. Relax. Relax. That's the worst thing to say. Who are you, Aaron Rodgers? Relax. Now I've got those stupid State Farm commercials in my head. Sorry, I was... No, I know. I get it. It's just been such a dry spell. Show me what you got going on. Maybe you just need some new eyes and ears. Yeah, okay. What about this piece? <sighs> Wait, that one was supposed to be tossed. Why is this crap still even in here? It's all right. Breathe, Sid. You're a good writer, man. You'll figure this out. You know, maybe I can inspire you with some history. I do know a lot about Eau Claire. Yes, Alex, I know. When we decide to go here, you decide to soak up as much info as you could. You always do that. Why do you always have to be such a nerd? You know it. I wish I was inspired by something. I don't know anyone who is as into music as I am. No one gets it, you know? Yeah. You know, actually, this park's band shell is named after someone pretty into music. What? The band shell. Donald Sarge Boyd band shell, actually. I honestly thought it was just some random stage. Well, you never leave the house, so I guess you never took a look at that plaque, huh? Well, no. I've gone through seven notebooks trying to write some new songs, and everything just sounds like a bad Boney Vare ripoff. I mean, he locked himself away in a cabin, so I don't leave the house. I have to focus. Maybe try exploring and doing some research to find inspiration. I heard there's a new podcast about Eau Claire. You could check that out. That's not how my songwriting works for me. I just feel it. I don't want to just steal more stuff. Dude, that's your problem right there. You can't get an idea and inspiration from the room you never leave. Look, that band shell has history. You can learn about it, write about it, and perform about it. Um, research is your thing. Just try it. What can you lose? Okay. Can't you just tell me about this band shell? Let's see. What can I find? Um, yeah. So, let's see. Sarge, real name Donald Boyd, was a high school band teacher for 36 years. He got his nickname from years in the military. The band shell, on the other hand, was built in 1938, costing about 10000 and taking over nine years to complete. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, later on, the early 1970s, it was refurbished with concrete instead of wood. Things have just kind of been replaced due to age as time has gone on. More importantly... The band show was named after Sarge in 1992. Sarge held performances there quite often in the late 30s, the first being on June 19, 1938. Huh. 
This says he was a conductor. Think about it. Having all 1,500 seats filled, plus people sitting in the grass and bringing chairs. Wait, where did you get this info? I told you. This podcast from the university. They've got tons of shit, man. Cool. You know, maybe I could write a song about history. About the band shell? Sarge? About Sarge. I think a good story about small-town life to fight in a war would be interesting. I just can't believe that this man, Sarge, fought and then taught music for almost four decades. Imagine how much life he lived. How about a line like, Military man with a song in his heart, dreaming of home but playing his part. Yeah. Too weird? Nah. Oh, how about old historic town filled with many people, but then a special man? Um, maybe some of the previous stuff. Military man with a song in his heart, dreaming of home, but playing his part. Music in his soul, the infinite spark. Misery man, music man. Everyone needs a song. <laughs> <laughs> Justin who? <laughs> Damn right. Let's go home. I've got a song to write and a Grammy to win. Writer's block is a real situation. Many of us experience the same thing while writing these episodes. But writing is so fruitful, and sometimes you just need to take a little trip into history to find some inspiration. Or just take a walk around Eau Claire, like you're doing now, to really take in all that's around you. If you decide to walk at night, you'll notice a certain spooky ambiance under the Lake Street Bridge. Almost like someone is watching you. And maybe they are. On a cold, very foggy winter night, a young couple, Rex and B are on their way home after a night of social drinking with their friends. Everyone went their separate ways, the two of them walking along the trail in Owen Park in the direction of home. There's a light amount of snow. The two of them are in high spirits and warm from the alcohol. <laughs> Slow down, Rex. You're going to slip. I'm all right. I didn't drink that much. Well, I did. I can't believe the fake IDs were. Well, they better have. They were expensive. Thanks for walking me home. Ah, that's, that's no problem. It was on my way. Why is it so foggy tonight? I don't know, but I think it's kind of cool. Kind of spooky. 
I don't like it. What? Are you scared? Oh my god, you're so scared! I, I, I can barely see what's in front of me. You're right. Anything could be out here. Lurking in the shadows. Everything looks ghostly under a layer of fog. Stop it. Are those the streetlights in the distance? Or are they the ghosts that wander through the park after dark? I'm serious, B. So am I. Wait, did you hear that? What? What? Huh. I guess they stopped. What stopped? The footsteps from behind us. You didn't hear them? B, I swear to God, this, this isn't funny. Whoa! Hey! The two walk on a slick patch of ice. B starts to stumble and Rex attempts to catch her before she falls, only leading to both of them tumbling down. And that's karma for making fun of me. I was only teasing. Now I have snow up my dress. Well, you should have worn pants. But I look cute in this dress. Yeah, you're right. At least no one saw us eat shit. Are you okay? <laughs> the two startle and get up from the ground embarrassed. This new person is a girl who appears to be around their age. She has a strange ethereal presence. Wayfish, long, unkempt hair, and wide, sunken eyes that don't blink as often as they should. Her presence is... unsettling. Ah, shit. She scared me. I thought the park was empty. Are you okay? Uh, yeah. Y yeah, we're okay. Um, are you okay? You look kind of out of it. The park can be disorienting after dark. Oh, we come through here all the time. Do you want us to walk you home? Not at this time of the year. Uh, okay. If you're sure, I guess. R Rex, let's get out of here. Yeah, she's freaking me out. Let's just... Uh, w wait. Where did she go? The girl is nowhere to be seen. She has disappeared, seemingly, into the fog that covers the park. What the fuck? <sighs> Come on, the bridge is close. Once we're out from under it, let's just make a break for it. B nods silently. She reaches out and takes Rex's hand. The two take a deep, steadying breath before continuing their trek home. The lights on the overpass begin to flicker. B and Rex begin to walk faster. Those lights better not go out. They are 30 feet from the overpass. The lights flicker more frequently. They are 20 feet from the overpass. The fog seems thicker now, the air heavy on their lungs as they try to pull in breath. They are 10 feet from the overpass. Do you hear someone following us? No. Rex and B step under the overpass, glancing over their shoulders. The third set of footsteps is drawing closer, but no one can be seen behind them. They turn away from the park, and there she is. The girl. The fog can be disorienting. The lights overhead whine before they burn out. <laughs> the overpass is plunged into darkness. B and Rex scamper through the darkness, towards the relief on the other side of the overpass. They emerge into the night, and the fog begins to dissipate around them. <laughs> <laughs> we made it! <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, holy shit. That's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, it was the worst. I'm so glad we're out of there. Is she gone? Fuck that. You look. You ass. Hey, Rex? Yeah? Where did all the snow go? I... What? The snow. It's all gone. No way. What the fuck? And it's warm. Rex, 
Rex, what the hell is happening? I, I don't... I, I, I don't know. I... I... Where are we? When are we? B, this isn't funny. Does this look like a joke to you? I can't control the fucking weather. Look around us. It's summer. That doesn't make any sense. That... That girl, she... Where is she? Oh my god, check your phone. Look at the date. Check my... June 30th, 2025. June 30th, 2025. June 30th, 2025. Four years. What the hell? Then we graduated. Rex, look at us. We're not any different. We were gone. Oh my god. Oh my god. Were we missing? Are we dead? The two watched from under the streetlight as the fog disappeared. The difference was night and day, like a veil being lifted from their eyes. Rex and B felt the chill of winter night leave their bodies, but the icy touch of dread remained. <laughs> I thought you said this wasn't funny. <laughs> what do we do now? Thank you once again for joining us in Owen Park. The park offers space for a great variety of things to do in your free time, variety which we hope was reflected in the content of the episode. The next episode will take place just a short walk away on the UWEC campus, starting at Care Theatre between Hibbert and Centennial Hall. We hope you stay tuned.